Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD Kids, Roots of Social Resistance. With us in our virtual studio is the Caroline McGuire. Um, Before we get into the content of the show, a few announcements. Uh, This show is being brought to you by uh, children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free Uh, digital copies of Attention Magazine. In order to get your copies, all you have to do is listen to our show. Um, I will share a secret word a couple times, write it down, listen to another show. Listen for the secret word, write that down, then send me an email with both secret words. The email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And when I get that, I'll forward on to Chad. They will send you a current PDF copy of Attention Magazine, and they will send you a PDF copy of the next issue when it is printed. Um, big news, the 2020 annual international conference on ADHD is, uh, going virtual, uh, for the first time ever, uh, at a necessity out of the COVID-19 virus. Um, it's scheduled for November 5th to the 7th, but I think, uh, that might change a little bit. Depends on what's going on just because of the nature of what's happening. Um, Really, there's no reason not to attend it. Uh, we're a big fan of this event. Um, everybody kind of comes together. There's a lot of great things. Um, we encourage you. Um, in the old days, you had to fly there or drive there to get there, stay in a hotel. Now you can get, uh, you can learn about it virtually. Uh, to get the scoop on it and watch things as they unfold, go to chadd.org. Um, we have a little tip that we're going to run from Chad, and we'll get into the meat of the show. Have you always wanted to attend the annual international conference on ADHD, but couldn't because it was too expensive? This year, you're in luck. The 2020 conference is going virtual. You and your family will have the benefit of enjoying the conference from the comfort of your own home. Get ready to interact with speakers and participants from around the globe. Learn more at theadhdconference.org. Thanks, Chad, for that tip and your continued support of Attention Talk Radio. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to become members or to contribute because a financially strong uh, Chad is a financially strong ADHD community. They are the ones that are uh, speaking on our behalf on Capitol Hill and uh, with the different regulatory agencies. By becoming a member, there's lots of great member benefits, discounts to conferences, Attention Magazine, um, on several other things that you can learn by just going to the website. So uh, we encourage you to become members. Uh, to learn more, go to chadd.org. Okay, our guest tonight is the Caroline McGuire, and I say the Caroline McGuire because she's uh, sometimes uh, guest, sometimes co-host, and actually sometimes guest host. Uh, she's certified as a personal coach for children with ADHD and their families. Her revolutionary coaching program teaches executive functioning skills to children, teens, and young adults. She's a speaker at worldwide venues and is a frequent resource for publications such as NPR, KTLA, Parade, MindBody, um, Green, U.S. News and World Report, Huffington Post, uh, Attitude, 
Tension Magazine and WebMD. She's the founder of a new and innovative training curriculum design uh, for the ADD Coach Academy, which is the only comprehensive family coach training program accredited by the International Coach Federation. She's also the author of Why Will No One Play With Me? Um, the Play Better Plan to Help Children of All Ages Make Friends and Thrive. Uh, formerly, she was the uh, main coach for children and uh, teenagers at the Hollowell Center in Sudbury, Massachusetts, where she co-led uh, social skills groups and consulted with local schools. She's a former host, as we mentioned here. You can learn more about her by going to her website, carolinemaguireauthor.com. With that, Caroline, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Always love to be on. Absolutely. It's uh we love having you on. I love learning from you. And today we're talking about the roots of social resistance and specifically kids. So you're like a social uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, people read in the room and understand what's Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, the words are missing from me right now because I'm working memory. But anyway, talk to me. What is social resistance first? And then kind of let's get into this topic a little bit. So I think a lot of parents um, with kids with ADHD, kids, teenagers, young adults, anyone, um, they experience um, a thing where either the kid is, um, you know, you you say something innocent like, hey, why don't you reach out to your buddies, and they, they, you know, explode at you, or you just notice that they um, they don't have play dates, they don't have teen hangouts, they don't have a lot of friends, and they seemingly won't reach out. And you try to make suggestions, uh, seemingly innocent, and you get all this pushback, um, like epic levels of pushback. And as a parent, you're, you know, the parents that I work with, they're baffled, right? And I get emails from parents all over the world since Why Will No One Play With Me came out. They're like, I don't get it. All I said was, you know, hey, why don't you text some people? Or, you know, parents are even offering to buy kids devices so that they can keep in touch. And they get all this resistance, and it ends in, you know, World War III over one comment. So talk to us. When you're working with parents, how do you, um, how do you open their mind to this a little bit? I think one of the things I try to do is ask parents to kind of look at their kids' social skills and their social situation. And by that, I mean of any age. And think about and step into their shoes. Because I think what we feel might be seemingly easy is not easy for a lot of young people. And so when you make that innocent comment, um, what you're, why you're getting all this resistance is partly that this is really hard for them. They don't know how to go about it, and they just aren't sure that, that their you know, outreach will be received well. And it's a bigger ask than you're thinking it is. Hmm, interesting. In this situation, we talk a lot of times about reaching out to people digitally or in person. We're talking about either one, right? So um, we're talking about really nowadays, you know, texting or or hitting someone up on on social media or, um, you know, even arranging to play a video game with someone. And, you know, 
it seems like something you hear your friends' children are doing, your friends' teenagers are doing, and you're like, why don't you reach out? Or why don't Mm. I help you? Or why don't we arrange something? Or, you know, I saw so-and-so playing basketball down the block. Why don't you go join him? And you don't get buy-in. You get a lot of resistance. You know, it's interesting. I, this is just my personal thing is I don't care for uh, reaching out to people digitally because I f- feel like I'm missing a lot of nonverbal communication to be able to really understand and read the situation. So I feel like I'm in the dark a lot of times. And I'm saying this because I'm trying to step into the shoes of these kids. When I was growing up, uh, you know, we were running around up and down the street in the playground and you interacted with people and you picked up a lot of those clues. Um, but on Again, digitally, I think I missed out on those. So that's my personal feeling. You think that plays a little bit into some of the kids' situation too, or is that just old stodgy me? (laughs) No, 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 no. I think it does play into the kids' situation. I think there's several things at work here, and I think one of them probably is, oh, my gosh, this is so hard for me because it doesn't work out. And one of the reasons it doesn't work out is that I don't read the social cues very well, or I'm afraid I won't. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that blindness makes it hard for them. And again, if you don't read social cues well in life, right, not Mm -hmm. just virtually, and things seem to constantly come from left field, right? You think things are going great and suddenly someone is like, you know, dude, cut it out. Then you stop trying to engage because everything seems to be out of the blue. So that is a huge factor. Um, Reading social cues virtually is harder. And unfortunately, the way that teenagers and sort of, you know, fifth grade and up interact and reach out to each other and see each other outside of school is by using text, social media, et cetera, and to, you know, even say, let's talk on the phone. You know, not reading social cues and things coming from left field. I like how you said that because when I just sit and I standing that if things are coming at you from left field and you don't understand it, you become very protective and you come safe and you come very reclusive and you start to get a lot, at least for me, a lot of anxiety over this. Cause I don't, it's like, it's like the dog, like something, you know, the owner comes home and everyone's had a bad day at work and beats out the dog. The dog doesn't really know what the heck is going on. And so you get a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry and get very, very reclusive. At least that's the experience I'm projecting. Is that, is that accurate? This happened with the kids too. You can begin to understand why they get kind of scared. Yeah, I mean, it is scary for them. It's exactly why, right? You're not reading cues really well, maybe, or the opposite, right? Some of our ADHD kids do read cues. They read cues well enough to know these people aren't really into me. Or another factor, which is, you know, we as parents don't always know or understand how good of friends are you with this person. Is this, you know, a lot of kids with social challenges only really have acquaintances. They're distant from other kids. They don't even, you know, participate in things where they have a lot of shared experiences and you just know someone because you're with them every Saturday. And so you're saying to them, hey, why don't you reach out to so-and-so? And they're thinking, I barely know this person. This person may not be that interested in me. Either I can't really read their cues well, so I'm scared, or I read their cues and they're not that into me. 
and you say it innocently, but you don't realize all the stuff behind it. Wow. I think I'm having a little bit of an aha. There's also something else I can think of in my childhood is like if we went somewhere, we were always phys- – when we were with, with, among kids, we'd go somewhere like – and it was like you were stuck there, like maybe the summer pool or whatever, and kids were around. And if there were some incidents, um, sometimes – People would get upset, but you were there all day, and so you figured a way through some of that stuff. When you're interacting with people virtually and there's incidents, people just kind of take off, which actually they're able to escape and confront things a little bit less, which makes this a little bit even more challenging. Am I in left field? Is this this kind of tying into that too? I think it does because when we were growing up, and we're dating ourselves, Jeff, but when we were growing up and most of the people listening to this as parents, um, we were in neighborhoods. Right. And everybody in my neighborhood was, you know, five to 16. And I did not literally know I could not, you know, there were kids I didn't love, but I didn't think that I would not play with them. I was like, oh, yeah, they're living next door to me. So I play with them, which meant that, yeah, eventually you broke into groups. Eventually you might even be socially isolated in high school or something when kids start to click and pair off. But it didn't happen at age seven, right? And there were a lot of kids of your same age um, living next to you, so you had some variety, and and that really helped. Now things have really shifted. We know demographically, and we know the data bears this out. I did all this research for my master's thesis. And so people aren't necessarily living in these neighborhoods Um, I'm not saying kids didn't struggle back then because, you know, I remember the kids who did and I sometimes did, but it was just really different. And now you're talking about, I don't live near anybody who I know. So Mm -hmm. now I have to really reach out and the fabric of early childhood are these arranged play dates. And a lot of our kids, they don't get invited. Absolutely. I want to, run to commercial break and kind of come pick up this conversation because I think um, really starting to stand in the shoes of kids these days and the reality of it all, I'm starting to feel a little bit of anxiety comparing my childhood and there and see how they can resist some of this just because there's a lot of, a lot of unknown here. Uh, we want to go to break. Our, uh, our secret word tonight is roots. Again, our secret word tonight is roots. And to learn about Caroline McGuire, uh, go to her website, Caroline McGuire. Caroline Author, let me get this straight. I'm, I'm sorry. Caroline McGuire Author dot com and Caroline, they can get information on your book. Why will no one play with me at that website, right? Absolutely. And if you forget Caroline McGuire Author dot com, just Google Why will no one play with me and everything comes up. There we go. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer, Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents, and Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. 
transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by DigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Caroline McGuire kind of framing out the uh, roots of social uh, resistance. I'm learning a ton here, Um, absolute ton. Um, I don't know if this really makes any sense, but I I, I want to kind of throw this out there and get your reaction to it. One of the things that I learned um, years ago as a high-adventure scout leader, I had to go through a lot of training, and Boy Scouts, they teach this concept called EDGE, educate, demonstrate, guide, and empower. And the way that works is you say, listen, a, a square knot's a really good knot because it doesn't really slip. And that, that we use it for first aid. So that's the educational piece of it. Then you get some rope out and you demonstrate on how to tie a, a square knot a couple times so the kids get it. Then you give them the rope and then and they fumble around with it and you help them, you guide them to where they get it right a couple times. And then you give them some rope and empower them by go and letting them practice. And I know I, I fell into this trap a couple times, Caroline, where I would like turn to my kids and say, hey, listen, this is just kind of what you do. And I would never really demonstrate, guide, or empower. And over the years, I've learned that one of the big issues with ADHD is working memory is a bit of a challenge. They have a hard time visualizing things and actually visualizing the future. And I don't know if this kind of plays into your experience because you do this much more than I do. But when I add that piece of it, it gets infinitely more complex to, to me as I stand in their shoes because I got this digital type stuff. I can't see what's going on. My parents are telling me just go do something, and I don't really know what that's like. Can you speak to that from your perspective? Yeah. No, I love the Edge um, Boy Scout image because I think there's a couple things here that you've brought up for me. One, if you aren't as a parent reaching out and being social, um, they have no model, right? So you're not demonstrating. The other thing is, Um, when you're asking a a child or teen to reach out, it feels daunting because there's so many steps involved, right? So there's a lot of executive function, the management system of the brain, and then there's a lot of unknown, and there's anxiety that comes in. So that anxiety may blot out any of their ability to think it through. And Uh I have an analogy, which is, Remember when you were young and you liked a girl or a guy and you only saw them on your college campus or at high school or wherever, at your job, every once in a while, and you, like, had this heightened um, desire that when you would see them, you'd make a great impression or you'd move things forward, and then, like, it didn't usually happen. Um, so that's kind of what 
a lot of these teenagers with ADHD are going through, right? They are not really good friends with some of these people, right? They don't mm-hmm. really have the best social skills to move this forward. And now you're talking about them trying to kind of virtually reach out in a way that feels daunting. And, you know, they're kind of, you know, having that same level of feeling of pressure that you used to have dating. Um, and there's a bunch of steps that go into it. So tying it back to the, to the demonstrate guide and power issue, we are going to have to, A, have a conversation and, and, and sort of break through this resistance. And the best way to do that is to step into their shoes and to say, you know, whenever we talk about this, it's really hard. And I'm thinking that this is, you know, challenging for you. Tell them about your world that you used to live in and how, you know, you went to a phone on the wall (laughs) and you (laughs) had to call people that way, but that you also lived in a neighborhood and things were easier. And then using sort of that collaborative tone of, I'd love to help you with this and starting to really hear from their perspective, what is hard about this? What feels daunting about this? Now, I'm not delusional. I work with a lot of kids. I know that some, this is not going to be this, you know, Brady Bunch conversation. But it, for some, they'll, they'll be really relieved that you get it. And for others, over time, you know, you have a quick conversation and you leave it. And then you go back at some point. They will start to open up to you about, how this is and then you can go more into that guiding piece of let's map out all the steps right let's look at what we can do here so a few things here one thing that i my mother had said years ago and i really i paid attention to it but didn't lock onto it till a couple years ago and that is whenever you have something that's hard you need to acknowledge that it's hard because if you don't acknowledge that it's hard you're not giving it the respect that it's due and otherwise you're minimizing it and you're really not doing that and as a second grade teacher she sit down saying this is really really hard and she would hype it up and it would be like so hard that when you actually got to it it was actually a lot easier so there's a little bit of expectations that are kind of just in there and so in that your comment to, to talk about it and say it's really 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 hard I think it's helpful uh, for the kids just to say, hey, listen, I'm empathizing with you. But I also think it's really good language for the parents to step into the shoes to realize that's there. Then um, just something that I found, I'm just kind of throwing this out there is, um, I don't, it, it, for, for the parents. Because, I mean, you said you know, it's not going to be always a Brady Bunch conversation with these people. I learned with my kids when they were kind of coming through and it was time to talk to them about girls and it was just an awkward conversation, I would actually kind of sit there and say, I'm just going to start talking and if you want me to shut up, I will. And I would talk about, you know, in the old days when I wanted to kiss a girl or hold their hands, you know, I'd kind of get next to them and da, da, da. And I would just kind of talk, but I was talking about my experiences when I was their age and interacting with them. It was funny because I didn't think they were listening to me at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> Fast forward in life, and oh my God, they were listening when that was kind of going on. And actually, I found out later that they kind of implemented some of this. But again, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm I'm telling it the story from my shoes, just like you said back in the day when, it, when the phone was on the wall or I was having these difficulties. Again, I think I think the essence of what I'm hearing you say, Caroline, is you acknowledge that it's hard. You begin to step in their shoes and you begin to listen to them, or you begin to share and identify with them where they are, not where you are. Now, did I misrepresent anything there? Uh, 
No, I think that that's absolutely true. I think that we are also, you know, the the example you gave of they are kind of implementing more than um, you realize. I think that's absolutely one of um, the issues that goes on um, when we're working with these young people, right? One of the issues mm-hmm. that goes on is that they are hearing us, and when they're like 25 years old, they come back to you and say, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I was listening, and that was really good. But I also think that my experience um, – especially right now as I'm working with sort of tweens and teens is that when I say to them, this is really hard, I get it. And I sort of even reflect to them all that goes into this and the worries they might have. And I even say, you know, maybe these are the worries you're having. A lot of my other, you know, young people are having these worries. They're like relieved because to them, we are these clueless adults and we don't mean to be clueless because we probably would help them if we could get past that initial resistance, right? We probably actually know this. But when we bring it up, you know, they're so triggered that it never goes anywhere. So I Mm -hmm. think that's the key too, right? We have to bring things up in a way that, you know, doesn't end in World War III um, because otherwise we're not even getting to help them. We would help them, but we can't even get there. So I'm going to go to break, but one of the things that I'm just that's behind that's, that's underlying what you're saying is is to identify with the kids, uh, acknowledge that it's hard, and say, hey, this must be difficult because at that point in time, this is coaching 101. You're creating a safe space. The kids kind of feel relieved. They kind of feel validated. What's kind of going on, and that's a big part of getting them to relax into things, as opposed to. As it was told to me one time, if you put the issue between you, it's very confrontational, very adversarial. But if you're sitting on the same side and the, and the issue is over there, so both of you are facing it, kind of acknowledging it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because it changes. From it being in the middle of you, they feel threatened. But if you're on the same side looking at it, acknowledge that's difficult, now there's an opportunity for the two of you to kind of come together. So I'll let you comment a little bit on that when we come back from break. Uh, everybody, our secret word tonight is roots. Our secret word tonight is Roots, and to learn more about Caroline McGuire and or to find out information on her book, go to carolinemcguireauthor.com or just Google uh, Why Won't Anyone Play With Me? And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an EDGE coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) 
Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Caroline McGuire having a great conversation about ADHD kids and the roots of uh, social resistance. Um, I kind of heard the words, um, but never really thought about it like we have right now. And Caroline, I'm really learning a lot here. Um, that notion of really trying to, first of all, create that safe space so that your kids can begin to open up and realize you might not get the reaction. I'm also hearing that's key and being patient is kind of key. What are your thoughts on what I said about that, that relief in that safe space and this notion of patience to work with them on this? I think it is really, really important to have a safe space. I think um, the more, you know, if you have just had a huge fight with them about homework, don't bring this up, right? You know, if you yeah. are struggling yourself emotionally one day, um, you know, don't bring it up. It, it's almost like, a deer in the forest, right? If you, if you scare them away, then it's harder to get back. So um, the more you can take this sort of collaborative tone, find a way where they are more able to talk. Um, The car is a great way because they don't have to look at you Um, doing something they love. Like you're in the middle of playing a video game or you're going fishing or, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something that they find fun Um, is a great way. And one of the things I always advise parents is to pave the way. So if you have a strained relationship with them right now, do some things that are fun with them where it doesn't become an epic talk. Let some things go. That isn't being a pushover, but it's what you're focused on, right? And then Mm -hmm. start to ease into this. Right, but make it a very collaborative conversation, and that's really one of the centerpieces of why we'll know and play with me is that it gives parents how do you talk about this tough stuff. So you said a word, ease into this. It's a very very simple word, but if my gut is with parents that love their kids that are frustrated, might be in pain or whatever, easing into this is kind of hard to execute. Is that? that make sense? No, it is hard to execute. All of this is, you know, you you give yourself a big, big pat on the back at the end. Um, No, it is hard to ease into it. But um, think about how you would want to be talked to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Think about the the moments when, um, you know, your parents did something and it was like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? Um, The more we are having this as a conversation where we express empathy, even admitting our past foibles. Like I know sometimes I don't do this right. I mean to, mm-hmm. but it's, it's hard. Um, and we kind of say like, I, I just, it's not like an epic talk. It's like, I worry about this, mm-hmm. but I'm realizing it's hard for you. The more mm-hmm. we have that tone and demeanor, the more it's well received, you know, and if they, if they react, you know, in the traditional way they have, 
then you let it go for today, right? And, oh, and by the way, one last piece of advice. I know we all do this as parents. We all do it, by the way. I do it too, and then I say, oh, why did I do that? Don't compare to other kids. So This is something that's happening a lot. You know, I hear so-and-so is on the phone with their friends for hours, or I hear so-and-so is using the new Chrome thing to watch Netflix show. Oh, please don't, because that person down the block you're comparing them to might be neurotypical, friendship might be easy for them, and all it does is make them feel less than, and it makes yep. them put up, you know, think about when you were a teenager. It makes you resist. Yep, absolutely. I'm kind of curious. What about um, sharing your own difficult experiences with your child? So you're not talking to them or at them. It's just like, you know, I reached out to a friend and I haven't heard from them, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to, I'm worried. I don't know if there's something wrong with them or, you know, what happened. And just kind of share that. Oh, they finally got back to me and I was excited. Just kind of modeling that stuff from your own experience. Does that help or does that hinder? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think it's brilliant. You know, one of the the greatest breakthroughs I've had lately is where a father um, who has struggled with social and is a lovely, lovely man, but has, you know, had bad feedback from bosses and had all these things happen, um, you know, basically said to his teenage son, um, I want to tell you what's happened to me. So the reason I'm talking to you about this stuff, the reason we're, you know, bothering you with it is that I have struggled with it, and here's what it's cost me, right? And mm-hmm. just to say, I get it, you know, um, because even if you are a super social person and, you know, you, you don't know where this kid who can't read social cues came from, we have all had moments when, like I said with the dating, you know, you desperately wanted to run into that person on campus or you, you know, really yep. liked the person working with you. And it just was so hard. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I got a question for you. It's probably a hard question, but one of the things that I've learned over the years is that you kind of, when it comes to attention – you're kind of looking for what you're looking for. And sometimes you miss the bigger picture. And a lot of times we read things very, very situational. And it it occurred to me uh, over the years about a dynamic. And I I like to use college as, as the example. my freshman year, I was on a dorm floor and there was a bunch of guys and I got, I mean, I got to know the guys. Uh, We were on the same dorm floor and we shared the same bathroom and stuff like that. And a year later we uh, got spread out. Um, there was a couple guys that were still near that I would see, but there were some guys that were on the other side of campus. And it's not that, that we weren't friends anymore, but they were just geographically incompatible. And right. I, I say this is an interesting dynamic because I think if you've got somebody that's really, really sensitive or there was somebody on the floor that they like is that they are geographically compatible. Their worlds are just different. Or Like later in life, I had a lot of acquaintances. And at one point in time, I had a friend who didn't have kids. And I said, you know, no offense. But if your kid, if, if you don't have kids and they're not the same sporting events as I am, it doesn't mean that we're not friends anymore, but that's just kind of where my life is right now. And we kind of take that off. Some of this is the dynamic in the world. I think it's hard to help kids see and understand uh, 
and maybe maybe you're not even going to be able to get them to see that. You just have to receive them and be patient with them through that process. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think those are some illustrations. It's the real world, but if, if you're not seeing that way and you're clinging to that and you're not knowing what's going on, it can create some real anxiety. And as a parent, you love them and you want them to see it, but sometimes trying to get them to get it is actually working against you. At least, at least those are my thoughts. No, I think it's true. I mean, I think that I think that uh, I'll give you an example about exercise, right? We know that exercise helps the ADHD brain, um, but sometimes um, we bring stuff up so much or we're trying to help the kid get it, and it becomes this, like, forbidden topic. And then uh-huh. I sit down with the kid and I say to them, what's up with this? And they say, I actually really like running. But, you know, I'm in this push-pull relationship with my parents, so, like, I'm never running, you know. Or I don't understand why they bring it up. You know, I did all this academic work. I earned my three hours of video game time for this entire week, and now they're coming in asking me to go for a run. You know, they're driving me crazy. And so I think that we are trying to help sometimes to the point of smother, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's not – you know, and I also think, and this is not running anyone down because I, I myself run into this as a parent, we don't always know the circumstance. So your example of your freshman dorm is a great example in the sense that, you know, did your mother know all that? Did you tell her everything that was going on? Did you tell her all the logistics that now went into it? You know, a lot of times there's stuff going on. So you innocently say, Jeff, why don't you reach out to those guys? You never see them. And you get this explosive response because there's all kinds of stuff going on you don't know. Yep. So I want to start to pull this thing together. Um, One of the things that that I've learned over the years of stuff I do on Tension Talk Radio is there's certain things that are really easy to explain. Uh, down-regulate and emotion is one of the simplest things. You just pause, you take a couple deep breaths, you distance yourself, you calm down, and you go brainstorm. It's really simple for me to say it. But executing it is infinitely hard. Number one, do you actually notice that you're in and do something about it, and it's emotional. And I feel like in this situation, uh, this, this is like one of those things. You and I are having a conversation, and parents are looking for that magic trick but i think at the end of the day this is kind of hard stuff and it's easy for you and i to talk about it but it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of timing it takes a lot of little, little self-discipline on this to kind of make sure this happened and i'm bringing this up and i'm interested in your thoughts because i really like to make sure parents uh, realize that if this is difficult that it is difficult and they're not thinking or, or or shaming or blaming themselves for difficulty implementing this so thoughts on that it is difficult <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot at work. If it wasn't difficult, I wouldn't exist, by the way. And um and one of the reasons that why will no one play with me was was such a, you know, thing and so many publishers wanted it was because every single person I met with was like, "Okay, so I have this teenager who won't talk to me." Right? So it is yep. a universal problem, not just an ADHD <laughs> problem. Um it is hard and it requires a lot of patience and a lot of time. And I think the more you educate yourself on, you know, how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk is a great book. Um, you read the front half of Why Will No One Play With Me and you just look at, like, how do I have these conversations? And 
you also realize that the more you kind of take a tone not of directive, like why are you re- why don't you reach out, but of, you know, trying to share your experience, trying to hear where they are where they are coming from, what's going on and and that collaborative tone and not jump right to almost why why are you not doing a better job with this is how they interpret some of these things the more you're going to have luck but it does take time and patience and remember it all goes back to they don't know how so what you're asking of them they don't have the skills to do yep so one of the things that i just i'm hearing in this is at the end of the day there's a little bit of a shift i call mindset Uh, Carol Dweck talks about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset, which is the kind of mindset. To me, mindset is how your mind is set up to think. And a lot of this is the ability to have a collaborative conversation comes back to the parent setting your mind up to step in the kid's shoes, to realize that it's difficult, to empathize with them, trying to create that safe space and have an enormous amount of patience. Because that directive, you just need to do this, and kind of pushing them to an outcome or an end, is there's a lot of resistance to that. So there's this shift in the way you're thinking and the approach, and it's, it, it does take a little bit of a process. And that mindset shift, as I've learned, is not something that happens overnight. It takes a little bit of practice. Um, and some patience. You get it right, you do it wrong in order to make that happen. And I think that that's really one of the key takeaways that I more and more I'm having with the people that I'm working with. It's about changing the way you think about things and, and, and a different approach. So with that, any last nuggets or anything before we uh, wrap this up? I think just remember the relationship you want to have with your, your young person and um, the more that you can um, – work toward that partnership, you know, um, and remember everything we do has a reverberation. So if you yell at them about their room and their homework and whatever, and then you try to have this collaborative conversation, they remember that, right? So we have to have this all work together and, you know, rather than yelling about the room, maybe you take the collaborative conversation to that too. Um, because you know, that way, you're not letting this stuff um, distance you. You're letting it bring it yep. to you together. Absolutely. So with all that, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I love the conversation. Love it. Everybody, check out our website, uh, carolinemcquireauthor.com. Our secret for tonight is uh, Roots. With that, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week. Take care.